What's up, everyone? This is the Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Hani Rambod, and we're here to do a Q&A. Are you ready, Dave? I am ready. Again, as always, top seven questions or just seven questions around various topics. Um, yeah, you know, we've, we've been getting more questions right. on the YouTube. Yep. So basically going, I know you told me you were going in and hunting to mm-hmm. see questions. So guys, if you want questions answered, make sure you go in there and comment and let us know what you want to see so that we can discuss it, whether it's a subject regarding competition or whether it's something that has to do with training and we'll go ahead and wrap a Q- Q&A around it. Yep. This one specifically deals with uh, contest prep, but I mean, again, when you're dieting for a show and you're dieting to get in shape or just doing a cut, I mean, you could take bits and pieces of this notes and apply it to your regular life. So, I mean, either way, we're going to, I mean, we're just going to dive into these questions Sure. and then you just, people that are listening, dissect it the way you want to dissect it, um, as it applies to your life. But contest prep, here we go. Number one, for people doing their first show, how do you know if there's a, they're in a proper striking distance with a show date? So for instance, a 19% person, 19% body fat person, mm-hmm. is that appropriate 12 week prep for males? What about females? What's the appropriate starting point? Okay. That's a good question. The way that I like to be able to build out my preps right. is I break them down by the pros mm-hmm. and amateurs. Mm-hmm. And the major difference is that with pros going into a pro show or from this most cases now, I don't, it's usually Olympia. Yeah. It's we're trying to always be about f- building into a show, like growing into a show with body parts mm-hmm. because they're so advanced in terms. It's not a body fat thing. Yeah. Right. With the amateurs mm-hmm. or if it's somebody that's just trying to do, let's say and a photo shoot. Yeah. You have what we call the executives that are getting ready for yeah. a photo shoot. And they're mm-hmm. like, Hey man, I'm trying to do a cut. Yeah. What we want to do is build a program that you don't have to diet for six months because you're not going to get a good result of what that physique is going to look like, whether you're a male or woman, uh, male or female going into a show when your body fat's too high. So what we do is I break it up into two sections, a subsection, mm-hmm. which is like a pre-cut yeah. and then going into a prep. Yeah. And the difference is something like, let's say the 19% that you said, yeah. what I would do is I would create a pre-cut and that pre-cut could last anywhere from eight to 12 weeks. And then you're going to have a set amount of time off mm-hmm. after that to let your body rest and your adrenals rest. And then going into a prep, because if you have too high of body fat yeah. and you go straight into a prep and you just continue to do this endless prep, your body will stop responding. Right. You'll only be able to drop a certain percentage of body fat and that's it. You're never get. you're never going to get shredded. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get really conditioned. So the key is to be able to get within that striking distance. And that striking distance isn't a percentage for me because I very seldom check my athlete's body fat. Yeah, I just go by a look. Mm-hmm. But if we had to put numbers to things, because a lot of people like numbers, yeah. what it would be like is that, hey, let's get into the low teens or let's get into like the high single digits, depending on if they're bodybuilding or whether they're men's physique. So you're not trying to just get their body to not have love handles anymore. Mm -hmm. You're trying to get them literally get that intermuscular fat out. So you need to get to that point where you can work on intermuscular fat Mm -hmm. and not just the sub Q fat. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense for sure. I mean, 
yeah. I really don't have anything to say. That's just a master class and uh, getting ready for uh, <laughs> anything. <laughs> Answer enough of that question? Yeah, you did. All right, awesome. You did. Uh, number two, what is your advice to handle peak week? Mental, physical, rest, preparing uh, your week to be as least stressful as possible. Oh, well, I just went through this with a good client mm -hmm. at the uh, – you know, and a better friend, Dave Rienzi, he just ended up competing a couple of days or probably less than a week ago now yeah. because he did masters, um, the masters NPC masters, um, nationals and the mental physical rest. I haven't worked with somebody that's an amateur getting mm -hmm. ready for a show to try to qualify for a pro card in a while. It's yeah. gotta be at least four or five years because I'm always working with the Olympia guys mm -hmm. or the, you know, national, like, a pro guys, you know, whether it was hottie getting ready for the regular shows, um, whether it was 212 or then when we moved him up to the open class to Vancouver, then, you know, Phil getting ready for the Olympia or whether it was Andre getting ready for his pro debut. It was that level mm -hmm. because it's been a while since, you know, I was the pro creator yeah. because of the fact that that's how I started off mm -hmm. is that working with people that were trying to get their pro cards. And back then, obviously it was much, much harder to get a pro card than it is now because you had a lot fewer uh, divisions and you had less qualifiers. Mm -hmm. and now in certain classes, you're as good as top two and whatnot. But the reason why I'm bringing Dave up is because the, when you said mental, it, it, it during that peak week, being calm is really, really important. And all you coaches that are listening to this or watching this are going to realize who I'm talking about because you have your set clients that are super chill and super, super calm. Mm -hmm. Like Dave, mm -hmm. Dave is super chill, just super chill. And he's the most even keel guy I know actually. And now that we've actually been able to do a prep together and he hasn't done a prep for six years wow. and he had four surgeries, he had two shoulder surgeries and two knee surgeries. And he went into this um, men's classic bodybuilding uh, division. Um, classic, what do they call it? Classic physique. Classic physique, mm -hmm. right. I, I'd still, a lot of people still call it classic bodybuilding because I like the yeah. name classic bodybuilding. Yeah, it's Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's still mm -hmm. bodybuilding, mm -hmm. yeah. you know? And I think physique is physique. But anyways, that's just my personal opinion. Um, but what he was able to do with being able to focus on the show, make the adjustments, it was a masterclass on keeping calm yeah. and just following directions and not second guessing. And like I said, a lot of coaches know, and some of the even athletes know how they can be anxiety ridden to the point where you're creating your own obstacles and right. you're your own worst enemy. Right. And that cortisol starts to spike mm -hmm. and guess what happens? Cold water. No, it's an invitation for somebody we know. Uh -huh. We talked about <laughs> Tooth Fairy's cousin. <laughs> He's a Tooth Fairy's cousin. Okay, <laughs> and it's uh, yeah, the fuck up fairy, and she comes. Sometimes she comes a little sooner than you think too. It's not just the <laughs> night before when you're trying to dry out. We're talking about like you know weeks and weeks ahead. Wow. And what happens is you're creating an environment of chaos, and people tend to wear their diet, and when they wear their diet, whether it's you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I yeah. Do. You you can be that way sometimes. <laughs> yep, yep. And when you're wearing your diet, it really creates an uncomfortable situation, not just with your own physical being. Mm -hmm. You know, your literally your body's ability to burn body fat and try to recover and grow right. and do all the things that it's supposed to do, but it also creates a tornado effect around you. Mm -hmm. And those type of people come in like a Tasmanian devil and just fuck shit up. Mm -hmm. And for it literally it's just it's just self sabotage yeah because that anxiety is not 
being distributed in, in the right way or burned out and you know in terms of burning it off and being able to controlled in a positive manner mm -hmm. so what you do is you create this destructive path right so when we talk about peak week it really doesn't start at peak week it starts before you even start ready getting ready for a show it starts with setting up an environment that understand you're making an understanding within your family your work your all the other environment you know the full full your full eco slash just ecosystem that you work within on right. a daily mm -hmm. both business-wise professional and and uh in your family and, and personal and you need to be able to get everybody on board or those people that are not on board you need to like excommunicado them like yeah. you need to push them out and keep them out because they're going to be a negative influence in your prep and those people are the ones that are going to be sabotaging you and trying to, you know, like get you to go out and party or drink or eat or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or you're, or there are going to be people that are just naysayers, and you know, you know the guys that smile and give you a high five at the gym, but they really don't get, you know, they want to see you like not even be in the top ten. Yeah, absolutely. And those are the those type of people. So at the end of the day, it's creating this whole ecosystem and environment of positivity and staying super calm, and bringing it back to Dave. He was able to do that, and then he, what he did was able to execute the whole plan and he's not the biggest guy he wasn't the roundest guy he weighed in just under the limit for for his class which was like 195 196 which his limit was 197 and he competed six seven years ago in bodybuilding but what he did was he was able to really execute and be able to hone in on the details that were going to make him better and each time he was able to do that, it was like turning a screw that made him a little tighter, a little mm -hmm. tighter, and was able to get something out of it. Because it's not about how busy you are when you're doing something or how painful it is mm -hmm. to do cardio or diet or how miserable you are. It's the result you get out of doing those those minor changes to get major results. Yeah, And that's where you want to be able to really lock in with a coach slash a contestant or you know an athlete that you're working with i should say and be able to get the maximum results and luckily out of 25 or however many people he competed against he won got his pro card and i became the pro creator again because <laughs> otherwise <laughs> i think my pro creator card was going to expire <laughs> you know he renewed it yeah he renewed it yep and um so again congratulations to dave ranzi he 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 was able to execute with again four surgeries all these yeah. issues all kinds of stuff, man, that happened to this guy and he was able to, uh, to really bring it. So again, it, it was a pleasure working with somebody like that who can take that information and be able to actually utilize it. And then it makes you want to do more for that person and right. be able to connect more right. because you see them actually applying it. So that's, what's really cool about that. So it's more, it's, it's as equal mental as it is physical. You have to go in with the right, it's right a lot. Mindset. It's a, actually, it's even more mental than it is physical. Because the guys that are around, we talk about this, mm -hmm. the guys that are gifted, it, they're less likely to apply themselves because they never really had to. Yeah. The ones that feel like they, they bring in the genetics and the hard work, those are the ones that become super exceptional. Right. Awesome. These are gems. <laughs> Two in. <laughs> Take notes, people. Um, normally, peak week is crazy for you as a coach. Who's your most calm client? Oh, that, well, that was just probably Dave. Dave? Yeah, man, that was easy. That was a roll up in one. What do you, what's your most difficult prep? Oh, geez. Uh, last year, Hadi Chopin. Yeah. 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 Last year, because there were so many outside stresses. Right. Uh, the fact of getting him here, mm -hmm. you know, he, four years previously, never was able to get here. Yeah. And then we finally got him here. Then when we got him here, he doesn't speak English. He's deaf where he has to read lips. Yeah. He has to read lips 
in Farsi and not like my Americanized Farsi. Yeah. Right. It's in, it's, it's not my, you know, my broken, you know, <laughs> my broken Farsi that I learned growing up, Yeah, you know, cause I can't read and write Farsi. Mm-hmm. So for all those that keep messaging me and, you know, on Instagram and they think that I can read can't what read you're it. saying, no, no, I can't read any of it. Um, but it was the most difficult prep because of all of those things. Mm-hmm. Then it was also layering in people that could help It's handlers, like literally helping him mm-hmm. with getting food, getting him to the gym or here or there to meet me because I was still running a business. I right. still had, you know, other people that I had to work with a lot of different things that I had to do. But I think that, um, that one comes to mind because it was probably the most recent, mm-hmm. but also because it was difficult in so many ways and things that I had no control over, like, the state department. Yeah. Yeah. Immigration, Mm -hmm. you know, all of those things, you know, other countries, uh, you know, governments, Mm -hmm. um, multiple governments. And right now we're going through the same thing right now. Yeah. You know, everyone's asking me where, where, where that's at. And it's honestly, it's even more difficult this year because of COVID and the political climate than it was before. Yeah. So we're, he's still prepping and he's bigger and he's better than he was last year, in my opinion. And, but at the end of the day, it's one of those things where, we're just hoping we can get him here because we have all of the trials and tribulations that we had before plus COVID. Yeah. So we're just looking forward to it. But yeah, so, but that was definitely the hardest. Did you have the decision made already or did you wait to see what he looked like when you finally got him over here between 212 and open class? I waited till he got here. Yeah. And yes. then took a look at what it was. Yes. Okay. Yes. It was one of those things where it was like pull down, try to go for the, the win with the 212 mm-hmm. and pull down or try to maximize what it is. And when I really spoke to him and we sat down and we talked, he really said, he was very emotional actually about it. He says, the Mr. Olympia is going after the Sandow. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's what you're chasing. Mm -hmm. And that's what he wanted to chase. And I think obviously he made the right decision. Top three, right? (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of, (laughs) I think, yeah, well, not only that, I think Shaq went online saying that he thought he should have won. Yeah. So big Shaq, big, big (laughs) shout out to big Shaq. All right, Diesel. Uh, Um, Yeah. So that's, that's, that's how that went. All right. Number four, I see this a lot on show days. Why are people always laying down in the back? Especially with their feet up. Get this question, Does man. this help water retention? <laughs> um, yes and no. Yeah, absolutely. Like getting off your feet is just going to help with, yeah. you know, not, not swelling up because especially if you're on your feet for quite, you know, if you're on your feet for a couple of minutes, you know, don't piss sitting down, you know, <laughs> you're like, you know, like hey, my coach said, cause he's, you got, you got those clients and you know, guys know who I'm talking about, whether it's you as an athlete or whether you're a coach, you have these situations where you turn around. And you say something and you got to be so specific, man, because they're going to turn around and you're like, Hey man, stay off your feet. And you're like, Hey, what are you doing there? And they're like pissing, sitting down. And you're like, do you really need to do that? (laughs) Oh man, I gotta stay off my feet, bro. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, that being said, you need to make sure that you stay off your feet, but especially the heavier they are, right? Yeah. Well, or does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. I think either way, the rule goes either way. I mean, (laughs) Obviously, if you're doing men's physique, you don't got to worry about it. You're wearing, <laughs> you're wearing uh, trunks, you know, you're wearing board shorts. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about it as much. So you're like, I'm getting water in my legs. I got to put my feet up. Then I'm, I'm called bullshit. Now, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it was a question. I mean, you see it all the time and I don't think anyone really has an answer to it apart from like the people that are actually a part of it. So yeah. So to, the, the simple answer is yes, yeah. there is something to it. So you yeah. want to try to stay off your feet as much as possible because you can get some swelling in your legs. The longer you stay up, especially when you are on a cold floor, 
and you have, you know, I always tell everybody, always bring flip-flops, always bring flip-flops. And you'll have some guys and they're literally, literally getting on stage with socks on because their feet were cold. They didn't bring flip-flops and then they forget. And I've I've seen it all. I've seen them go up on flip-flops. I've seen them wear socks and try to get up on there. It's a, yeah. So the key is to try to minimize how much you're on your feet and make sure you have something because those floors can get really, really cold. Yeah. Okay. Number five, is your favorite cardio machine for prep? Oh, that's easy. Because I know there's a lot of people that avoid stairs because they don't want their legs to waste away or whatever they obviously there's no running in bodybuilding typically because of an injury risk and they're too heavy to be running around anyways but what's your favorite cardio machine for prep that's actually not true really yeah okay so let's 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 try to dive into the running situation do some myth busting here. okay let's do some myth busting right there's times where i've had olympia level people yeah run really yes and um now how they run and men's open where they run yep Oh yep. Yep. God. I've had, I've had people do it, man. Okay. I've had people do it okay. and how, how they've run, where they've run all of those things. Mm-hmm. Now, are they going on long distance runs? No, yeah. no. But you know, I have had my athletes sprint. I've had them do things where we've done uphill runs and sprints, mm-hmm. um, stuff that's going to help with blood pulling and, uh, being able to really work the pump yeah. into the cardio. Um, I'm a huge advocate of the step mill. I started having people use step mill 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm probably the reason why Ronnie Coleman used step mill because I had Ronnie Coleman's girlfriend start using step mill. So he bought one for her mm-hmm. and he actually, this is actually a true story. What happened was Alti was getting ready for a show and I was having her do the step mill. He started using the step mill, and this is back in 2003 yeah. where he came in his heaviest. Mm-hmm. So again, did he lose his legs in 2003? No. Exactly. But he liked it so much when he was doing cardio that he ended up buying two because he could do cardio with her and had him right in his home gym yeah. so he could roll out of bed to whatever he, whenever he, you know, he was supposed to do his cardio. Mm-hmm. But he started using the step mill because I had Alti using it. And then when he started using it, he started started seeing more detail and he liked it so much that, like I said, he ended up buying two of them. So favorite cardio piece of cardio equipment, step mill. Now, do I use it all the time with all my clients? No, but it's not because I'm worried about them losing their legs or Where doing is that this. even coming from? That's They're just from, from people that just are being lazy. Ah, and it's just, it. again, this is all about myth busting Yeah, and it's mal- it's a matter of what's best for them. Mm-hmm. But I had Jay using it in 2000, like have three of them in his house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we yeah. would go back and forth between step mill and we would go back and forth between treadmill and step yeah. mill. And it's, it's one of those things that we'd always have to worry about his legs being flat, especially because he had one leg that he had injured a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And that was his, um, right leg. And that was, you know, smaller than his left. And we would always have to worry about that, but that never was a problem, even though we would use a step mill and we would just go back and forth just so it wouldn't beat him up too much, right. especially if we were doing longer cardio sessions mm-hmm. and we would mix it up between treadmill and step mill, but it didn't, it wasn't a problem whatsoever. Right. Perfect. Myth busting number five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Took care of some of those. Yeah. And when, when, and for all you ladies out there, if you are um, doing cardio, there are going to be times where it's going to be much more actually beneficial for you to be able to do cardio on a run because sometimes they do start with 
calorie, um, higher body fat percentages Mm -hmm. and they have to come down and it does burn more calories. So when you're, when you're running versus just like a, a walking on a treadmill, especially, you know, you see how the bodybuilders like to do it. Oh man, 2.8. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And they're holding on to the sides mm-hmm. and that's all, you know, that's weak. Yeah. But so you'll see some of the girls and some of the prep coaches will use running, especially in the beginning to get them to get that body fat down yeah. before they start to really um, start to prep. Maybe it could be like the pre-prep that we talked about. Mm-hmm. It could be, I, I would be building that up into a system yeah. and where the architecture of the program and the blueprint would have that designed into it to be able to get closer to that next level, that next milestone yeah. that I'm trying to get them into mm-hmm. to then leapfrog them into a prep. Got it. Got it. Number six, will taking aminos break my fast before cardio? another myth busting situation yes it's a yes and no yes and no yes yeah, yeah. It's, it's yes and no yes it will but does it fucking matter because at the end of the day what you're trying to do is also minimize muscle loss right so the benefits you get out of taking an amino like obviously i recommend amino chem on my products because i like the eaas i think the eaas do do um do a great job with being anti-catabolic and I, I put it in in between meals but at the end of the day using that and trying to minimize that muscle loss how much are you gaining from that versus going into it completely deprived with body fat loss i feel that there's more added benefit for muscle preservation yeah. than there is in terms of body fat being possibly you know not maximized in terms of body fat loss being completely going in empty stomach without any kind of aminos. Okay. So I feel like you're actually doing yourself a disservice by doing that. All right. Well, this ties into number seven because they were kind of the same a little bit. This is more of an uh, exaggerated question off of six, kind of like six A, but seven benefits of taking branch chain amino acids or essential amino acids, then extending your fast and then doing cardio with food versus fasted. Okay. I'm. Everybody knows I'm a huge advocate of doing fasted cardio yeah now there are times where whether it's off season or whatnot i'll add in cardio post-workout mm-hmm. and again depending on the client right. and anybody who's ever worked with me will tell you that there is no cookie cutter method it's mm-hmm. literally going off of what i see in regards to the pictures right at the end of the day when you're adding in the bcaas eas the bcaas the way i like to stack my bcaas is like I created a product called Aminoject. Mm-hmm. Aminoject's got BCAAs with five uh, full grams of glutamine, one gram of citrulline, one gram of betaine, um, and then you have electrolytes in there. That works really, really well when you actually mix them with protein because you get a one plus one equals three effect because you get a synergistic effect. That's why I like mixing it in when there's EAAs as well. Right. Now, the EAAs could be from food. It could be from isolate. It could be from any of those type of products. Um, and then the, the EAAs, which it shown that really help with recovery and create more um, like an anabolic environment, mm-hmm. I like sipping that throughout the day, during the workout, in between meals, two to three times a day. So, um, and obviously I've added hydration factors in with the amino chem as well as putting in a also s7 to help with blood flow so that's what i did with the amino chem now people don't really understand how it works it's more important to eat than take any of these supplements yeah food is your number one just go-to is food then 
when you add in supplements, just like they say, supplements is to supplement your diet right. to help with being able to accentuate the recovery and to build more muscle. Not and, replace your diet. No, no. And a lot of people go, well, I didn't eat. I'm just going to take a scoop of aminos. Yep. And that's wrong. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's wrong. Food would come first. Yep. Then if you can afford it, then you want to be able to add it in. And so EAAs, I feel are super important. But if you're already getting enough EAAs, then the BCAs will help complement the EAAs to make them even more effective. Yep. So that's why they're still both products and not when you say, oh, well, EAAs, because BCAs are in EAAs. Well, yes, but when you're turning around and you're adding in some added benefits of the other ingredients right. and you're, you're, that's where you're like, I'm already getting the EAAs from my isolate. But if I'm adding in the BCAAs with it, the studies show that, yeah, you're going to get even more out of it than you would if it was just one or the other. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's seven questions. <laughs> Replay this this podcast for sure because you're going to want to take notes for this one. This one was amazing. Yeah, I didn't expect that, man. You had good questions this time. Yeah, these are, these are the people's questions, though. So. Yeah, so you guys definitely <laughs> put in the comments. Let us know your questions. Um, I'm not going to always be posting up my Q&A you know, requests for questions on my Instagram, but from time to time I will. So the best place to do that, again, is on the YouTube channel. And uh, let us know what you think. Let you know. Make sure you like, subscribe, and make sure you turn on your notifications. Um, anything else? Nope, that's it. All right. Thank well, you. I'm Honey Rambod. It's my co-host Dave, and that's the truth.